Meal delivery in a box company, HelloFresh, is growing and fast. 61.5% growth in 2021, up to $6 billion in revenue. Their digital marketing is great mostly, <laughs> and shares some brilliant lessons that we can all apply whatever we're selling. Lessons in things like marketing segmentation, so how they break up their audience and give them different messages. Uh, lessons in influencer marketing. They've got some great stuff going on here. And also lessons about clever content marketing. But, <laughs> but they have some skeletons in the closet, quite significant skeletons in the closet. They are wasting tens of millions of dollars per year doing some very strange things. In this episode, we're going to go through the good and the bad. But most importantly, we're going to be taking four key lessons that we can apply to our businesses, whatever we're selling based on HelloFresh's digital marketing. Let's do this. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency and we help our clients generate more leads and sales through their website, through things like SEO, content marketing, pay-per-click advertising, email, conversion rate optimization, and web development. And today we're going to be looking at HelloFresh's digital marketing. So like I said in the intro, they're doing some stuff really well, which we can great copy and learn from. And they're doing some stuff which is honestly just frankly weird to see a business at this size doing. So there's definitely some big warnings there. There's that quote, isn't there? You can either be a, an example or a warning. Well, HelloFresh is kind of both of them. Let's start with lesson one, though. And this is all about segmenting our target audience. So HelloFresh segments their audience into three personas. If you don't know the company, they basically sell these kind of recipe kits in a box which they send to you. So I think every week you get, uh, you tell them what sort of meals you want for the next week and then they send you all of the ingredients and the recipes and they portion everything out. So you've got just the right amount. So it's not much waste and it's really straightforward. You just follow their process and voila, you are an amazing chef. So that's the business. But they segment their target audience into three different personas because although they're selling the same product to all of these groups, they've realized that actually people are buying these for different reasons. So the first customer segment is people that are looking to try new recipes, right? They're bored of the stuff that they're producing, they're bored of the stuff that they're cooking, they want to get a bit more creative. So that's the first segment. The second segment is people who can't get to a store. So either people that are too busy or they're just located in a way that they it's not useful for, it's not, sorry, it's not convenient for them to go grocery shopping. So instead they can have all the stuff sent to them. So that's segment number two. Third segment is people that can't get special ingredients locally. So maybe they just live next to a really basic store, but that basic store doesn't have all the fancy stuff that they really want to cook with and that they really want to play with. So those are the three segments that HelloFresh has broken their audience into. And Here's how they could play this, right? So each of their customer segments, you first have to get in front of that segment with content that is relevant to them. So this might be that you notice, for example, people who are looking to try new recipes, they might be going onto Google and searching for different recipes, fancy recipes. So HelloFresh would then have recipe content on their site, which would rank for those phrases. People then, that audience, that segment, then clicks on those links and it visits those pages and it has a look through the recipes. Now, HelloFresh, what they can do is they can capture the email of those people who are looking for recipes. They can pixel them so that they can retarget them on Facebook or they can remarket them on Google, YouTube or whatever. So what they can do then is in the follow-up advertising, in the emails that they're sending out to that email list made of that segment, is they can send out stuff which is super relevant to those people that want to try new recipes. And when they're pitching HelloFresh, they're not talking about, hey, this is like super convenient. They're saying, hey, this is 
loads of different recipes. You can choose what recipes you want to do. If you're bored of your standard, you know, spaghetti bolognese six times a week, well, you can do this instead. So what they're doing there is they've identified what this segment is interested in, their sort of pain points, and then they can tailor the content that they use to market their products to that audience throughout the entire journey. So it's really savvy and they can do exactly the same things with the other segments as well. So it's a really smart move because it means that your message is more likely to land because it is tailored to someone who is in that particular situation someone who has that certain need. So over to you. And by the way, HelloFresh isn't doing the best job of the search bit. We'll come back to that later on, but don't worry. So how would you split your audience? How would you break up your target audience? What are the segments that you would market to? Do you have groups of people buying your product or service for different reasons? Are they at different stages of life? Do they have different needs? What sorts of messages might resonate with each group? And what sort of content would you want to target each group with? So another example, one client that we helped do this with was a, a um, they sold a chatbot software and we identified, we helped them, they're very, very new to market, but they sold this chatbot software. We helped them identify particular customer groups that will be most receptive to their chatbot software. And we were able to help them target this quite narrowly, right? We could identify that, you know, I think it's housing associations would really benefit from this. And what this allows us to do is it allows us to run very targeted ad campaigns to these individual groups. And we give them very specific landing pages. And when they go on those specific landing pages, we run remarketing and retargeting ads very specifically to that segment. We have them sign up for an email list. And then we then create indoctrination sequences, which are designed to resonate with that particular target customer. So you might be selling different types of customer. You might be selling people that are in different stages of their journey. You might be selling uh, customers in different sectors and you can break out your content and target and segment them based on that. So think about how you're splitting up your audience and how you can tailor the marketing messages that you use at each stage for that audience. So lesson number two, is being smart with influencer marketing. So influencers really been core to HelloFresh's online growth. They saw very strong growth in the US very early on, despite it not being their native market. I think they started in Germany and that's where their head office is. But they found that they got loads of traction in US and influencer was one of the main reasons for that. And they were using influencers from the very early days of influencer. We're talking like mid 2010s when influencer wasn't really, it still wasn't really that hot a thing. Now digging into their influencer strategy is kind of interesting. They mostly work with what I'd call kind of tier two influencers. So these are people with millions of followers, but not tens of millions, right? They're not working with like the Kendall Jenners, the super mega stars. They're also not working with the sort of movie stars. They're working with the TV stars, right? Uh, the daytime TV or the, you know, the Saturday night TV stars. That's their sort of level. And they've done some interesting work here. Um, <laughs> there's some good stuff and the bad stuff, which is, is kind of HelloFresh's vibe, really. They've In the UK, they've, um, they, they did a high profile campaign called uh, Davina McCall Refresh. And this was really interesting. The idea behind it, I think, was brilliant. So they got Davina McCall, who is, I'm trying to think of who a US or, or a kind of rest of the world equivalent would be. Davina McCall is, is basically, she's a TV presenter. She's pretty well known by everyone. She's not like super mega A-list, right? She's not got photographers staying outside her house trying to get a snap of her, that that type of uh, celebrity level. But she's well known. Like if she walked along a street, people would be asking her for selfies, that kind of vibe. And what they did is they got Davina in a TV studio or in, a, in like a you know video studio. And they got a whole bunch of smaller influencers to come in. And they did this refresh thing where they got these influencers to make different recipes from HelloFresh and all this type of thing. So it's supposed to work on two levels. On the one level, you've got Davina McCall, well-recognized. Um, people would respond to the ad campaign because it's Davina. 
now, or that's what they'd hope. And then on the second level, you've got these smaller influencers who are more likely to have higher traction with their audience, but maybe they won't have as large audience. So they put all this work in, they got the thing done. They've made these YouTube videos um, on their YouTube channel, which is just blurring off in the background. And they've done that. The trouble is what they haven't done is they've done a great job of putting together the content. They've put it on their YouTube channel, great. And then here we are looking at it three years later and it's had like 4,000 views. What they haven't done is they haven't thought about how they're going to push this, how they're really going to market it. And this is something that seems to be a disparity between the UK and the US with their approach and influencers. And it kind of gives us a bit of a warning about, you know, you might want to put together this really extensive campaign with loads of influencers and it's re really well thought out and really planned out. You go to all the trouble, you get all the expense of putting the whole thing together. But then without a solid promotion plan in place for what happens when you actually get those videos, what happens when you get that content, it's going to have limited traction. Now, if we compare this with the US, where they've done similar sorts of things, but they've put much, much, much more budget behind it. So they did a, a Meals with Mindy Kaling episode, uh, or a series, and Mindy's from like the Mindy Project, who's in some other stuff as well. Um, and they get her to cook these different meals. To be honest, I think the execution is a little bit cringe. It feels a little bit staged and a little bit false, but they've put a ton of budget behind these videos. So they've had over 250,000 views, which is obviously going to get a much more traction, much more recognition than if you just put together, you know, put together some great videos, but then you just promote them a little bit and get a few thousand views. That feels pointless to me. If we think about the split between how much energy and time goes into planning and producing and editing the content versus promoting it, it's completely out of whack in the UK. Whereas in the US, they're definitely pushing it harder. Now, that's not all they do with influencers. They actually have a really interesting thing going on where they get a lot of sort of organic influencer content, lots of people posting about HelloFresh, posting their reviews of HelloFresh. And these are getting far more views even than the, you know, than the staged big production stuff, because this is the sort of stuff that these smaller influencers, they're pushing, they're getting it ranked for stuff. They're working hard to make really compelling videos that don't feel like just a pure ad. The reason they're doing all of this stuff, the reason these smaller influencers are sort of being activated en masse is that HelloFresh has given them affiliate codes to share. So I think they get like five pounds per sign up or something. You get some, some amount of money for every person that signs up through your voucher code. And that means that for a sort of mid-range influencer who might have, you know, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube or potentially even more, well, this then becomes actually a source of income for you because if you can get, you know, a couple hundred or a few thousand people signing up through your voucher code, that gives you a nice bump in your income that month. So this feels like something that they've set up and it's actually kind of working better in some territories than the formal influencer campaigns, which they've put all the budget and time and energy behind. So really, really cool. I mean, you also kind of get, this is sort of somewhat inevitable, right? Davina McCall has been bought in to do this thing and she's been filmed doing the thing and then she shakes hands with everyone and then she goes home and then she's done, right? She's not sort of, she doesn't have skin in the game. She's not sharing the voucher code so that she can get her income. She's already been paid regardless of what happens to it. So that's another benefit of working with these sort of smaller level influencers. So there's really two main takeaways here. The first takeaway is this power of activating the influencers en masse through running an affiliate or referral scheme, allowing them to earn discounts or giving their followers money off. This puts your customers to work marketing you for you, right? So it can work really well if you've got a broad 
audience and you've got a fairly large audience, this can be a nice way to sort of get them uh, motivated to share you. The second takeaway is that when you invest in any sort of content, even if it's not influencer, if you're not relevant to it running with influencers, that's totally cool. The second takeaway though, is if you're investing in any sort of content and you're producing that stuff, spend at least as much time, energy and money on promoting it as you did producing it. We talk about this all the time. There's no point putting together this amazing guide and or this ebook or this video series or this course or whatever if you're not going to put as least in if you're not going to put in at least as much time promoting it and getting it traction build it and they will come is total garbage online it just is not true you need to work hard even if you've got Davina McCall hosting your YouTube videos they're not going to get traction on their own nobody's going on YouTube searching for Davina McCall hello fresh right people aren't just doing that and if they wanted some Davina McCall's information content, they would just go on their, you know, their TV on demand platform and they'd watch it there. So if you've got this stuff, you need to be pushing it. You need to be having a plan for promoting it. It's not just enough to produce it. That's a complete waste of time. Uh, Another business that does this Nuffield Health. If you haven't been on the Nuffield Health or if you don't know Nuffield Health, sorry, I'm opening these YouTube pages in the background and the sound always plays. If you don't know Nuffield Health, they're a private healthcare company in the UK. And on their YouTube channel, they've got 45.5k subscribers, which isn't bad. It shows that they're, you know, they're working on video content. And they've actually got some really good stuff that they've put together. They've got interviews with all of these really, you know, well-known people like Judy Murray, who's Andy Murray's uh, mum. Andy Murray is like one of the greatest ever tennis players that Britain has produced. And Judy Murray is talking about barriers to fitness for women. But you know, they made this video two months ago, it's had 178 views. Well, if you work out how much this thing to cost to produce, how much it costs to get Judy there, and all the lighting and all the setup, I can see they're spending, you know, a couple of grand on the lighting just from the video. Well, work that out on a per view cost. You're probably looking, this thing's probably costing, you know, a hundred pounds per view to put together. It's just, the numbers make absolutely no sense. Whereas running some ads or getting these sorts of videos ranked for the sorts of phrases that people are looking for is going to get so much more traction and it's going to mean you're actually leveraging this stuff that you're working so hard to put together. So that second takeaway is putting at least as much time promoting the content as you do producing it. Okay, lesson number three of four from HelloFresh, monetizing different types of organic search traffic. Okay, monetizing different types of organic search traffic. So people searching for you on Google with lots of different intents, do you have different monetization strategies for each of these? Now, a well-promoted brand like HelloFresh will get a lot of traffic from search engines and lots of it will be branded. So people searching for HelloFresh or HelloFresh login or, you know, HelloFresh reviews or HelloFresh discount code, right? They're going to get loads of traffic. So uh, SEMrush is estimating, what have we got here? 150,000 views per month for non-branded search. They're getting loads of visibility as well as branded search also for non-branded search. And in the US, HelloFresh is ranking pretty well for some high commercial intent keywords. So stuff like meal prep services, position three, low carb meal delivery, position one, fresh food, position one, fresh food delivery, position one. But they could be doing so, so much better. Fairly common when we're looking at a large company and we're looking at their SEO. Exactly what we see here is that the homepage is having to work 
really, really hard. So I'm looking at um, unbranded search terms that HelloFresh is ranking for. So stuff like food delivery, meal prep services, that type of thing. And of the, what am I looking at? I'm looking at about 20 keywords here. Uh, I'd say, yeah, about 17 of them are all, it's all the homepage ranking for these phrases, okay? So the homepage is having to work really hard to rank for a whole range of different keywords, which is fine if it's ranking really well and if the homepage is optimized for that traffic, but it is not, okay? They're ranking position 11 for food delivery, which has 201,000 searches a month in the US. Position 11 is page two, top of page two, for a phrase that is searched 201,000 times per month. So ranking for this term on page one, prefer preferably top of page one, would be a huge driver of business for them, given that they are food delivery. What's the problem? Well, it's the homepage that's trying to rank for that phrase. What's the problem there? The phrase food delivery doesn't appear on the homepage. This homepage is not particularly well designed to rank for food delivery. It's not even trying to rank for it. Well, <laughs> that's a bit of a shame really because it is the page that is ranking. So what we'd love to see them doing here is creating dedicated pages for terms or groups of terms like food delivery or meal delivery, that type of thing, phrases. Here's what you wanna do. A better way to target keywords and just having a homepage trying to rank for everything is to break the keywords that you're targeting or that you're already ranking for into groups. You can group them as topics. So let's say that we might have food delivery, meal delivery, fresh food delivery. They might all be one group because they're all talking about the delivery side of things. And then you might have other things maybe around the rest recipes, they will be grouped around, you know, you'd have another group of, uh, you know, meal recipe delivery or something like that. So you've got these different groups of keywords, and then you create dedicated pages that serve each of these. Now for service businesses, this is obvious. We always talk about an accountant because it's something everyone can relate to. If you're an accountant, you don't just want to have one page, which is our services. You want to have separate pages for each of the different services that you offer. Tax accounting, uh, inheritance planning, um, small business accounting, enterprise accounting, accounting advisory. You know, you've got all of these different services and they'd each have different landing pages and each have different optimized pages for search based on that service because you'd want to rank the tax accounting page for the tax accounting search. And no company is beyond this. The, the larger the company, the less they do this. And it makes absolutely no sense because then you get to a uh, size like HelloFresh where in reality, if they broke up their pages and they had more content targeting some of these keywords, they could probably double their non-branded traffic in a year, which for a company like HelloFresh is absolutely enormous. This is like hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue for them. But they're being, I don't want to say lazy, they're not being lazy, they're just they're just not they're not mining for the gold in this SEO. So here's how you do this. You break up your keywords into different groups, you have a look at which pages at the moment are best serving these keywords. And if there are keywords which aren't being particularly well served on these pages, or the pages that are ranking are really low down, they're not ranking particularly well, they're off page one, then you create pages which are optimized for those terms, and then they'll improve their ranking. Of course, you've got to build links, you've got to create loads of content on those pages, whatever. But the important thing is that you've got pages targeting and laser targeting the phrases that you want to go after. Now remember those audience segments from earlier, they've got those three audience segments. Well, one of those 
is about the recipes, right? So one of those is about the recipes. One is about they can't get to a grocery store. They can't do their grocery shopping. And one is they can't get the exotic ingredients that they would like, right? So those are three segments. So the recipe group is kind of interesting because it should be relatively easy to make content for the recipe group. And HelloFresh has made loads and loads of recipes on their website. And the good news is that they are ranking. The bad news is that in the US, <laughs> the ranking is absolutely dreadful for these recipe terms. So they've gone to all the effort of rewriting these recipes for the, you know, for the local market, whatever. But ranking in the US absolutely sucks for the recipe stuff because really weirdly, it's actually their UK site that is ranking in the US for those US recipe searches. Now, you know, there are some weird quirks to language. If you tell a British person what's cilantro, we'll ask them what's cilantro. We have absolutely no idea. I think it's coriander here and cilantro in the US, whatever. So aside from like the language differences, there's obviously a click-through rate negative advantage here because if I'm searching in the US and I see a weird.co.uk site, like what does that even mean? I'm much less likely to click on that. So that's going to impact the amount of traffic coming onto the site. And then of course, we've got the fact that if I'm US and I'm going onto a UK site, I might see some pound signs instead of dollar signs. I might see some tells that tell me this isn't right for me. It's such a wasted opportunity and it's so basic to just get the localization stuff sorted. Anyway, you think that's bad. You, you just wait, just wait, just wait. But the takeaway here is creating optimized pages, targeting each of your keywords or keyword groups. If you see general pages like your homepage ranking for terms that aren't even being used on that page, that tells you there is growth potential. Ideally, your homepage will be ranking for your brand name and some very top level generic terms. And that's about it. Because just like having PPC landing pages, you know, you wouldn't just drive all your PPC traffic to your homepage. Well, why should you drive your organic search traffic to your homepage? Because actually, you might be able to serve people who are searching for meal kit delivery much better on a page that is all about meal kit delivery and isn't trying to combine all of those different customer segments, right? Your audience is usually best served by a specific landing page that is targeted to the topic that they're searching for. Um, okay, so that's lesson number three, clever use of organic search at different customer intents. Before we go into lesson four, if you'd like some help with this, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I hope we're not making these sorts of mistakes with our digital marketing, uh, spoiler alert, you probably are, everyone is, but that doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't mean that there's not low-hanging fruit and, and quite often there is low-hanging fruit. We offer a service to help you find that low-hanging fruit at Exposure Ninja. It's called the Free Website and Marketing Review. Now you've seen free website and marketing reviews advertised elsewhere and you've dismissed them because you just plug your website in and some bot gives you a whole bunch of stats and garbage, which is totally useless. You never look at it again. You feel a little bit bad for a second and then you get over it and just have a look on TikTok or something. This is not that. This is not that. This is once you've seen your marketing review, next time you go outside, the grass will be greener, the air will be fresher. You'll hear those birds tweeting that you've never heard before. Um, no, that's not insanity. It's the level of depth and thought that goes into these marketing reviews. They are stunning. Well, here's how it works. You go to exposureninja.com forward slash review, fill in a questionnaire about your business, about your marketing goals. And the questionnaire takes a little bit of time to fill in. Not going to lie. It's like four minutes. I think average time through the questionnaire is something like four and a half minutes. So this isn't just like name, email, website, go. We actually want to find out a bit about your business. We want to find out what your marketing goals are. And the reason we ask that information is because we then go away and research and record a video showing you how to get more leads and sales through your site. So we actually put a lot of work into this. The video normally lasts about 15, 20 minutes and we'll email this to you usually within two to three working days. It's completely free of charge, which is mad, right? 
absolutely amazing value. <laughs> um, it, it really is good. If you go and have a look on, uh, you know, go and have a look on the explosionninja.com forward slash review page, you'll see loads of people who've had it and absolutely love it. Now, sometimes when we analyze a website, we realize actually the free marketing review isn't the most useful thing for them at that stage of their journey. And in that case, we will send you instead something else that will be of significant value. So this might be courses, it might be guides, it might be some other uh, material, which is based on your situation, what's the thing that we can send you, which is going to be most helpful if the review isn't right for you at this stage. So anyway, go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review, fill in the form and all will become clear. On with the show. Okay, lesson number four of four. This is where things get really sort of uh, I had to sort of slap myself in the face when I, when I saw what they're doing here. Lesson four is if you're going to go hard with PPC advertising, please, please be smart as well. Don't just go hard. You also have to go smart. Now, in the UK, HelloFresh is uh, spending, I think the estimate is about 117 or maybe, yeah, about 117,000 pounds a month on their Google ads. In the US, they're spending about $2 million a month on their PPC ads. All well and good, they should be. This is a multi-billion dollar company targeting aggressive growth. So no issue with the spend, absolutely brilliant, go hard, be relentless, be super aggressive with your PPC. You are all about new customer acquisition, fantastic, love it. But, but what you don't wanna do is you don't just, you don't wanna turn up to a party with Google and Google says, how much money have you got? and you say how much do you need? Because Google will suck you dry and the results that you will get back can be absolutely nothing unless you're smart. So you want to think about Google like you think about, you know, that friend that you've got who's maybe slightly dodgy, but they're well connected. You want to be all right. Okay, Google, we can work together here. You can be useful to me, but I'm not just going to give you carte blanche to just have at it. You have to go into that relationship with your eyes wide open and being absolutely relentless about cost, particularly if you're going to be scaling a campaign to $2 million a month. Unfortunately, HelloFresh is not being relentless about cost. They're just being relentless. So the basic strategy is they are targeting their brand name, which is fine. Absolutely. Um, so they're running ads for HelloFresh. They're also targeting a whole bunch of their competitors. So in the UK, I can see Slim world which is a slimming uh you know diet company muscle food which is a meal prep company uh keto diet which is a type of diet that people would take it's not necessarily commercial intent but it's maybe something you know that someone who would search for someone who is going on a keto diet they might be interested in this so no issue with targeting it uh, food delivery so that's a pretty high commercial intent term they're running ads for cooking uh pfft. I don't know. I, I, I'm not entirely sure on that one. Not convinced on that one at all. They're running ads for meal ideas. Okay. Again, that's a mm, bit of a gray area. If you're going to run ads for something like meal ideas or cooking, these this is really informational search traffic. You're going to be wanting to send people to you know informational content, and then you're going to want to be retargeting them. You want to going to want to capture leads, knowing that you can upsell them, knowing that you can get revenue out of that traffic, and you test it. If you're not getting revenue out of it, you would stop doing that because these are high volume search. Terms terms with very low commercial intent. But anyway, they're running ads for a whole but a whole range of different search terms. It's basically informational, uh, commercial intent, unbranded, branded and competitor. The problem is they're running all of this traffic to the least suitable PPC conversion, uh, sorry, the P PPC landing page I have ever seen. Okay? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a right, so there's no information about what HelloFresh is above the fold. The call to action is subscribe to HelloFresh. 
Um, there's a little subheadline that says fresh pre-proportioned ingredients and delicious recipes delivered every week. You put in the number of people in your house, you put in a number of recipes per week. At this point, you know, you're being asked to do this. You have no idea about the recipes yet. Um, you're then asked to put your email in. That's going to give you a price. And then you click select this box. So at this point, you've got no idea how it works. You may or may not be familiar with HelloFresh. You might have just searched for something like cooking. <laughs> Imagine that user journey. I type in Google cooking. I see an ad for HelloFresh. The ad is very, you know, completely generic. There's absolutely no intent behind it. So I guess, you know, one thing in their defense, it's very unlikely that somebody would be clicking on the ad. But if someone did click on the ad, I get to this landing page, which the call to action is subscribe to HelloFresh. There's no information about it above the fold. And there we go. That's what I've got. The next thing I see on the page is fresh from the gram. It's got some of their Instagram things. Now, remember, I've just searched for cooking, or I've just searched for uh, Slimming World, or I've just searched for whatever muscle food, right? So think about how relevant any of this is to me. Then underneath the Instagram posts, <laughs> it's just mad. <laughs> $2 million a month, 117k in the UK. Absolutely nuts. Um, underneath that, why HelloFresh? We've got the fact that there's no commitments. Then we've got some stuff about recipes and we can start to pick our recipes. So but then that's basically it. Why HelloFresh balance your carbon dioxide footprint? And then that is it on the page. I mean, what? So this is not good. Um, really surprising, actually, for a business that is doing so much great stuff as HelloFresh, for a business that is so heavy on the data, and they talk loads about the importance of data in marketing. Either they're not looking at this data or, you know, some miraculous thing. They've got such amazing brand recognition and such incredible desire that, you know, a little there's a, a sketch in the Mighty Boosh where um, Noel Fielding is in a boat and he's gone fishing and the fish are just throwing themselves into the boat, right? That's the sort of response you need from your audience if you can run a landing page like this for a generic keyword like cooking and make ROI. Unlikely, unless that's happening, then something is going wrong here. And it's a pretty similar thing in the US. So the other problem I have with all of this, of course, is the ad copy. So let's say that you put keto meal delivery into Google, you would expect a business that's spending, you know, millions of dollars a month on ads to have an ad that says like, hey, keto meal delivery, get a discount on your first box, right? That would be relevant. That would be sensible. Well, they don't have that. Their headline is get 60% off on first box and 20, 25% off for two months. The ad copy is cook delicious recipes, nationwide delivery, flexible subscription, fresh food. Nowhere is keto meal delivery. Nowhere is the thing that I'm actually searching for. So it's going to have really low click-through rate, really low ad quality score because the landing page has absolutely nothing to do with keto. And then I get through to that page. I don't see any reference of keto. Basically, have I clicked on the wrong page? really not good. Now, weirdly, HelloFresh has another brand in the UK called Green Chef, which does a far, far better job of this. When you search for something like, I don't know, vegan or well, even keto, right? I can see actually Green Fresh is competing against HelloFresh. Uh, Green Chef is competing against HelloFresh in the ads. Um, and the, uh, the, the Green Chef ad says Green Chef keto home delivery, 40% off first and 25% off next two. So they're offering a smaller discount, but they're going to get a much higher click-through rate because they're actually using the phrase that people are searching for. Um, and then when you go on the page, you actually get to a landing page, which is optimized for keto recipe box. Hallelujah. So they've got it right with their Green Chef brand, but with HelloFresh, they are doing the old shovel into the black hole Google ad strategy, which is so popular around the world and is the reason that Google can be so uh, cavalier about shutting things down like, you know, self-driving cars, because hey, there's always going to be a HelloFresh ready to pump in more cash on the back end 
who's not tracking their data, so they're just gonna keep on doing it. So the takeaway here is if you're gonna be spending big on PPC, make sure you're scaling up a well-optimized campaign, right? You're never too big to look at the details. I mean, if we're not, to be fair, we're not even talking about details here, we're just talking about relevant landing pages and ad copy that includes your target keyword. But th this is like the minimum entry point for running ads is your, your keywords in your ads, right? Really good start. And you've got a landing page, which again, uses your keywords and is optimized for the sort of traffic you're getting, but you never get too big to optimize your PPC. This is a really strange thing that they're doing. You can probably tell I'm a little bit exasperated by it, but whatever, totally their call. There's a huge lesson there. Remember, you can either be an example or a warning. Sometimes you can be both. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, review of um, HelloFresh's digital marketing. If you have, then subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, don't forget, you can watch video versions of all of these on our YouTube channel. Just go over to YouTube and search for Exposure Ninja HelloFresh and you will find it. I'll show you all of the examples I've talked about on the screen. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Until next week, see you soon.